Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode 170 of We Are Going Up. Uh, This is Mark Crossley. And, oh, it's reaching that stage of the season where there's not long to go. Things are starting to take shape. Ten games to go. David Cameron Walker is here. Uh, DC, you well? Hello, yeah. Well, I'm um, not actually. No, <laughs> no, really. no, you're not. It's quarter past nine on a Thursday night. I'm still at work and I've been hungover all day. Oh, nice. Uh, but apart from that, all's well. I shouldn't complain. It could be worse. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm good. Okay, should we start with an email, mate? All right, yeah. We, we've Let's. had an email from Patrick Johnson, who's our listener, Wimbledon fan. He's been in touch with us a couple yeah. of times in the past. Update from Estonia. Hello, boys. I contacted you some time ago about being a Wimbledon fan in Estonia. I'm still listening to and enjoying the podcast. It was lovely to get here. Is get a mention this week. Blah, blah, blah. Talks a bit about uh, Wimbledon. Lyle Taylor's been a stunning signing. Our whole team are playing incredibly well right now. When I contacted you previously, you asked about lower league football in Estonia. I just wanted to update you that you uh, now have a listener who is a registered footballer in the Estonian sixth tier. My team here all work for a money transfer company with lots of expats. Our team is FC TransferWise, includes Facebook link, starting our season on the 10th of April, so not long to go. Blah, blah, blah. He's basically playing for a sixth tier team, I think. The season runs all the way through to October. Eight team matches along with two Estonian Cup competitions and the Estonian equivalent of the JPT, which I do enjoy. I'd love to know what that's actually called. Please get in touch. (laughs) That's Patrick Johnson. If you do want to email us, you can do so via the website wearegoingup.co.uk. Right, what have we got coming up this week then? Well, we thought we'd look at the top... Before you you start, while while we're on the subject of Wimbledon, shall um, shall we mention Wimbledon? Please do. Did you, see, did you see what happened in their game? Um, was this the referee blowing the whistle? Yeah, Trevor Kettle. <laughs> oh, was it Kettle? Yeah. The worst referee in the Football League, Trevor Kettle. Yeah. The very he blew one. the whistle after. Oh, he's awful, Kettle. It was Billy Key for Accrington, and he had kicked the ball. He'd actually, the ball had left his foot and was travelling towards the goal from about 10 yards out in the middle of the penalty box, and he blew for half time. Unbelievable. I tell you what, whenever you get him as a referee, you, you look down the programme, you see the referees, you're like, oh, for God's sake, not Kettle. <laughs> anyway, you might have seen that over the weekend. Anyway, we're doing a top and bottom thing, aren't we, today? Yes, so uh, later we we're going to speak I'm to... I'm top. You're bottom. Well, yeah, as usual. <laughs> uh, apart from the Fantasy Football League this year, when I'm actually ahead of you, but that's a different story. Yeah. Um, right, OK, so uh, later we're going to speak to Ned Keating from the London Arch, and he reports on Dagenham and Redbridge, um, who are the Football League's bottom club, 92nd, 72nd in the Football League, 92nd overall. They're six points from safety. They're going to a huge game away at Hartlepool on Saturday. It may or may not have happened by the time you hear this, so we'll talk to Ned a little bit later, an interview I did with him earlier. Uh, but first... The ginger Mourinho is at it again, mate. Burnley, oh, yeah. top he is. of the championship. Your ex-boss, Sean Dyche. I know you're not going to do the impression, but I'm going to ask you to anyway. No, there we go. Thought so. <laughs> um, the top of the league um, with a 3-2 win away at Fulham in midweek. They're absolutely flying, aren't they? I feel like I should do the impression now. You put me on the spot. You put <laughs> you me under pressure. But you I don't really know to. how you do it, though. No, it's, it's, it's gruff. It's like, 
I know, but, too long ago, I, I can't do it justice. It's all right. You can work on it. You can work on it. Maybe at the end of the show. Well, this morning, I probably sounded a bit like Sean Dyche. <laughs> uh, anyway, you, so you've uh, been catching up with Jamie Smith, haven't you? Yeah. From the um, independent Burnley FC podcast, No Nay Never. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he was in good spirits, as you'll hear. They're flying high. They look at the moment like they're going to bounce back at the first time of asking. And uh, it's all going well at Turf Moor. So, uh, yeah, that 3-2 win at Craven Cottage means they're four points clear um, at the top of the championship. And I think they're even further clear, obviously, the team in third place at the minute, who are Brighton and Hove Albion. So DC did speak to Jamie Smith and he started by asking him if this was the perfect time to get him on the podcast. Perfect timing, yeah. It, it really feels like it's all coming together for us at the moment. I mean... I think momentum becomes increasingly important as the end of the season starts to come and I think that's four wins in a row now and we don't seem to be playing that well but we're finding ways to win games and that's one of the things Sean Dash talks about a lot. He talks about finding a way to win and it doesn't look like the other teams at the top are doing that. I think the last three matches we've not been anywhere near our best but we've still come up with wins. Andre Gray's got the winner three games in a row. Obviously it helps to have a striker that prolific but I think the, the character and the mentality of the squad is just fantastic and we've got players like Joey Barton who just seem to drag us to wins that frankly we don't deserve it for on Tuesday we were desperately poor in the first half but still managed to win the game somehow I was there and I'm still trying to work out how we came out with the points in the end Well let's uh, talk about Joey Barton a bit more later on but first Andre Gray uh, he's been fantastic hasn't he I mean Danny Ings was obviously the your main man who left in the summer there's a few clubs who are after Andre Gray and a lot of people probably raise their eyebrows at, at just how much money people were prepared to, to spend on a striker with his limited experience at, at this level, it has to be said. But he's been absolutely superb since he's come in for you. 20 goals. Yeah, I, I can't praise Andre Gray highly enough, to be honest. I mean, I, I thought it was a lot of money. It's important to note as well, it was $6 million, not the $9 million, as it's constantly reported. $9 million, like including all the add-ons mm. possible which are apparently inclusive of us getting promoted and staying up. Um, but at £6 million, it's hard to argue that he's not been fantastic value. Uh, the pace and power that he's got, I think championship defenders just they just struggle to cope with it. There haven't been many teams been able to keep him quiet. The winning goal he scored at Fulham is one of the best goals mm. of the season he scored. Did really well, did he, to hold off the defence, that, that power that you mentioned. So I think people obviously just think that he's a quick striker. Maybe if they haven't no, seen him much, but he's really strong. Yeah, it reminds me of Igalo at Watford. Obviously, I think Igalo's got that scoop trick, which mm. great Graves and got a trick in his locker, which would take him on a bit more. But yeah, it's the combination of being able to hold off a player and then burn away with the pace, and that just seems to be absolutely lethal. I think the important thing about Gray as well is he'll miss the chance, but it doesn't seem to bother him. The ball comes again; he's still full of confidence. He's happy to take it on. He missed the penalty the other week and then when we got the next one, he wanted to take it and stuck it away. So he seems full of confidence and yeah, it, it, it was eyebrow raising because we don't pay that sort of money for players very often. But it looks like he's going to score the goals that get us promotion. So he's been fantastic value and even if he does move on in the summer, we've done fantastically well at them. Do you think uh, if you do indeed go up and he stays, will he be able to cut it in the Premier League? I'd like to think so. I mean... There are examples of players who've come from non-league football relatively late in their mm. career, and Look at strikers Vardy. do tend to do quite well. Jamie Vardy's yeah. the obvious example. Even players like Ian Wright, who were playing non-league football in their early twenties till they're like twenty-two, they've gone on and had very successful careers at the top flight. I'm obviously not going to say that 
Gray's going to score the goals that, that Vardy and Wright have in the top fight but I think if he continues to develop he's going to be a very dangerous player that combination of pace and power that I keep talking about I think that is quite rare I think even Premier League defenders are going to find that quite difficult the problem will be can we get enough of the ball and can we keep giving him the service that he needs because like all strikes if you can't get the ball to him he's not going to be able to do anything now it's, te- it's easy to look at the table and think oh four points clear with what how many one two three four five six seven eight nine ten, ten games to go Oh, it's all looking good for Burnley, but Millsborough have a game in hand. Hull have got two games in hand, uh, and Brighton are just hanging on in there as well. Every time you think they'll fade, they they start going on a little run as well. So it could well be tight. You could easily find yourself in the playoffs as well. What do you think will make the difference between you finishing in those top in those top two spots or battling it out in the playoffs? I, I think the momentum's key at the moment. Um, we've been talking about teams having games in hand over us weeks and weeks and it's not that long ago since Middlesbrough was seven points clear of us but still had a game in hand and now they're behind us and the game in hand can't even catch us up so I don't think we're too worried about other teams at the moment results went our way on Tuesday I don't think anyone else in the top ten won so we managed to ease away a little bit the interesting thing for us is how we cope with the pressure Um, first half at Fulham on Tuesday I don't think we coped at all well we were nervous I felt there was a bit of a, a lack of willingness to take responsibility, both in attack and defence. Uh, but obviously, Dash had words at half-time, I think it's fair to say, uh, euphemistically. In the second half, it was much improved. Um, but it's going to be different and it's going to be difficult because we are leading from the front now. And I think even after the international break, we're going to be clear because of the, the games that have got coming up. Um, there's matches between the top teams coming up as well I think Hull play Middlesbrough quite soon we've got to go to Brighton Middlesbrough have got to come to us so it could well be tight but I think if you speak to any Burnley fan now we're pretty confident we're going to be in the top two and it's a case of who's going to be with us Now let's talk about Joey Barton then shall we another signing that probably raised some eyebrows at at Turf Moor when it was made not for the price tag but for uh, the obvious reasons really he's a player that has a lot of baggage with him a lot of attention off the field but Seems like he's been a successful son. He's got his head down and he's been playing well. Definitely. I mean, Sean Dash said when he signed him, he was asked how he was going to look after him. And Dash was just very no-nonsense, as he always is. He just said he's, he's old enough that he can look after himself. Now, he's 32 years old. He's just got to get on with it. And he's done that. I mean, I certainly had doubts about Bart and obviously the list of his crimes and the things he's got up to on and off the pitches as long as you're on. But... He's been faultless since he signed for us. I've got nothing but good things to say about Joey Barton. And honestly, if you'd have said this to me at the, at the start of the season before we signed him, that I'd think Joey Barton was the best player in the league and he'd be playing for us, I'd think you were mad. Like, <laughs> it, it just seems completely ridiculous. But yeah, his leadership's fantastic. He, he's not actually the captain, but he acts like he's the captain. He's the leader on the pitch. He drags us through games. He holds the midfield together. He's chipped in a couple of vital goals. He's done pretty much everything you could have hoped for. And to think that this guy came on a free transfer, signed a contract for less money than he was offered elsewhere, I think everyone just hopes he's going to be around for another couple of years because he's made such a massive difference. At the start of the season, when we didn't have Barton and we didn't have Andre Grit, we were looking like mid-table fodder. And those two lads in particular have certainly taken us on to a position where it looks like we're going to be in the Premier League next season. So what about the gaffer then, Sean Dice? Just signed a new deal, or an extension on his current deal rather. Um, 
he's certainly a man who has been long been highly thought of from from other clubs. He's been linked with other jobs when they've come up, including Premier League ones. But it shouldn't be underestimated, really, the job he's done this season at Burnley, because it's not easy to take a team down from the Premier League and have that disappointment hanging over you and get up Absolutely. and go again and, and, and be in the position that you are at this stage of the season. Yeah, well, it's a different challenge. I mean, when we got promoted two years ago, I don't think anyone was tipping us at the start of the season. But obviously when you come down, although I think the statistics show it's quite, it's relatively rare for teams to bounce back straight away, mm. you're always going to be among the favourites. And even a smaller club like ourselves, I think some teams see us as a scalp because we've come from the Premier League. So there's a lot of different things to cope with. Um, I think at the start of the season we had a bit of a hangover from the relegation. We had a couple of players that were injured. We were still looking to add to the squad. And I think it just needed a little bit of time to knit together, really. Dash made the signings that we needed to, to fill the gaps in the team and take us on. And we just know exactly what we're going to get from him. I think there's been a tendency from Karanka in particular to be a bit panicky and he seems to mess with his team a lot. We know what our 11 is going to be every single week. Some teams that might make us predictable, but it doesn't seem to make any difference. The tactics basically the same. The team's basically the same. The plan's the same. Everyone knows what we're going to do, but no one seems able to stop us. Um, so I think the stability that Dash brings to the club is it's indescribable, really. You can't underestimate the difference he's made to the club. I just hope that he's learned a bit from last season when I think we were a bit too predictable at that level. I mm. think managers have a bit more about them and there's more time to prepare for the games. There's various things. I mean, you can't just go out and play 4-4-2 every week and expect it to work. But, yeah, it's, it's minor niggles, really. The work he's done at the club when we were bottom half of the championship had no money looking like we were going nowhere to be in a club that could well establish ourselves in the Premier League in the coming years. It's been absolutely phenomenal and hopefully he's going to be our manager for a long time. Well, let's tempt fate then. Let's let's say that you managed to do it and you managed to get back up at the first time of asking to the Premier League next season. It's going to be interesting to see how you tackle the challenge second time around if, if you do have to because last year, Dyche made no secret of the fact that you weren't going to break the bank, you weren't going to go out and give big wages to players, spend big money and deal with all the agents and everything that was banging his door down. You were going to stick with those players, maybe make some additions, but be sensible. In, and look, you went down, you put up a good fight, you weren't disgraced, but you, you know you were relegated at the end of the day. If you come back, you're going to have more money from that season. Also, the new TV deal that's going to be in place next season. There's a lot of money were swinging, swimming around the Premier League at the lower ends as well as the higher ends. You look at clubs like Bournemouth, like Watford, like Norwich even, who spent big money this season. Uh, and certainly for, for Watford and Bournemouth, it looks to have paid off. Do you think you'll spend money? Will you take more risks or will it be more of the same? I'd like to think um, we can achieve a balance. I think the last time we, it seemed to take us by surprise how much even lower-end Premier League players were going to cost. and We just struggled to get the deals done, I think. We'd got, we had targets in mind and the fees got away from us a bit and we didn't get the signings over the line for whatever reason and it just it became very difficult to put together a squad that could challenge. Um, I think the problem with all the all the money on the new TV deal is that it doesn't make us any better off in comparison to everyone else, if that makes sense. Everyone else is going to have all the money as well. So it just, I think it just means all the fees and all the wages will go up. 
Um, I think the last two times we've been promoted, we've invested a lot off the field. A lot of the infrastructure's been vastly improved. They're currently building a new training ground that's all paid for, it's all sorted. All the ground improvements that we had to do last time should still be fine for, for the Premier League again. So you would hope that there will be a bigger proportion of the money available for players. That said, I think Dash is the sort of manager who will want to stick with his squad as much as possible. I think that stability has been key to our success. A lot of the players that are in our team now were in the team when we got promoted last time and they've stuck around and we've stuck by them. So I don't think there'll be a huge turnover of players, but I certainly think we can take inspiration from a club like Bournemouth who have players that they've had for five, six years as players like Francis who've been there since they were in League One and have come up and stayed part of the team but also invest in players who can improve what's already there in the group and buy players like Benny Kofobi who are going to be an improvement so yeah I hope there'll be some investment but also I'm excited to see how this team would cope in the Premier League because I think they deserve the opportunity so I think it, it, it's a balance, but I think we'll, we'll have a bit of a, a better crack at it than last time. And finally, were you, uh, were you at the game against Blackburn a few weeks ago? I missed it, unfortunately. Oh. I had to work, so I only got to see it on the telly, but it's fantastic to be able to, to get that particular monkey off our backs. We seem to break a lot of these historical records yeah. under Dyche and obviously beating them at home. That's the first time a lot of Burnley fans have seen it in the flesh. So I think the rivalry's turning now and we're on top. We're obviously on the up. And Well, I particularly hope that we're not going to play them again for a long time. I'd, I'd rather do away well, with all the... That's got to be the ambition, role. really. I mean, you look at the, the achievements that they have uh, under their belts from the last sort of 10, 15 years, obviously winning the league at one point, but still a, a stable Premier League club until the Venkies ruined it all. Uh, you've got to be looking at a club like that and think, well, we can be what they were, and maybe even better. We can be like Bournemouth. If we get up, we can manage it sensibly, and we could we could stay for a long time. You don't want to be like this, you know, modern day version of of kind of uh, West Brom used to be like, or, or yeah. Ipswich, or someone that goes up, comes down, goes up, comes down. You want to stay? Absolutely. Um, I think it is tricky because even you see the, the Leicester City story this season, and and see how an underdog can surprise everyone. Mm. You think a club like Burnley the chances of us ever challenging for silverware are remote. And I think a lot of our fans enjoy the championship, the, the cut and thrust of it. You're playing twice a week a lot of the time. The ticket prices tend to be lower than the Premier League, although they've brought in this new cap, which will hopefully fix things. So yeah. I don't know if it's a, a just not wanting to get beat every week thing, but a lot of fans do genuinely love playing in the championship. So I don't think we'd be too devastated if we came down again. But that said, you've got to be ambitious and there's no reason why we can't establish ourselves. I think a club like Swansea is a very good example. Obviously, they've had problems this season, but they've grown very sustainably. They've got fans on the board. They've spent money without breaking the bank or risking the club's future and they've invested in infrastructure. I think that's the way to do it. You've got to grow steadily. But, yeah, I think we've got every chance of going up there and doing that. We've seen our sensible people in charge. Sean Dyche has obviously got his head screwed on the right way. There's players at the club who've been there a long time. They all add to that stability. And I think we're as well run a club as there is at the moment. I can't think of one in England that's better run than we are. So I'd be hopeful that we can give it a go. I think what, what I think I'd dread is if we did stay in the Premier League, but then it was just 
relegation battle after relegation battle every season, couple out someone who always seems to be in the bottom six. So their fans are just sick of it, and you'd almost rather be in the championship and yeah. have some wins every now and again. But yeah, I'm excited. I think the challenge of the Premier League is certainly one to look forward to. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's hope we haven't jinxed it today, but good luck for the rest of the season. If you do do it, we'll speak to you at the end of the season and have a bit of a celebration. Excellent, yeah, hopefully. Touch wood, no jinx. Cheers, mate. You're listening to We Are Going Up. We've got the Football League covered. So that was Jamie Smith from the independent Burnley FC podcast, No Name Never, talking to DC about Burnley's current lofty position at the top of the Football League. However, do you reckon they'll do it? Uh, I think they will, yeah. I, I'd be very surprised if Burnley didn't go up now this season. Mm. They're looking very, very impressive. Who's going to go with them? Mm. Well, maybe we can talk about that in a, in right. about 10 minutes' time. I think. Um, hold your horses, mate. Uh, we're going to get into um, the team right at the bottom now, though. 72nd in the Football League. Dagenham and Redbridge, they are, what, six points from safety, just 11 games of the season to go. Earlier, I caught up, we're doing sort of separate interviews this week, I caught up with Ned Keating, who is a football journalist from the London Archon and covers the Daggers. And I started by asking Ned, have they still got time under John Still to turn this position around? I think it's quite convenient that uh, they're playing Hartlepool United this weekend who, similar situation this time last year, 11 points, uh, sorry, 11 games left, 8 points adrift, I think it was. So I think if you look at that, um, I think Dagenham do still kind of have time. You know, it's just about kind of there's a few teams above them as well um, that are kind of seem to be in a bit of free fall. You know, you look at Stevenage, whose boss in the week, I think, was accusing the players of not even being able to run properly. <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a young man himself at the age of 32, compared to John Still, who's you know, more than double his age. He's you know, been here before, been in relegation battles before. OK, probably not as, as desperate as he currently finds himself in now, but, yeah, there's still a very good chance for Dagenham to stay up, yes. We all know Dagenham have you know, got one of the smallest budgets in the Football League. They're one of the smallest clubs, one of the smallest fan bases, one of the smallest grounds, so it's always going to be <laughs> tough for them every season to stay up. Um, why this season has it been such a struggle though? Um, I think if you go back to former manager uh, Wayne Burnett, one thing that he kept saying you know, to us in, in kind of post-match, uh, post-match interviews was that uh, he kept saying that the team had lost four drivers. Uh, that was the, the phrase that he kept using to, using to describe the departures of uh, Abu Gogo, the former captain, uh, who'd done really well actually a couple of weeks ago against Manchester United in the FA Cup for, for Strasbury Town. Uh, he lost Billy Bingham as well, went to Crewe. Um, but crucially as well, two key players in, in Luke Howe and Scott Doe both left in the summer. They both went off the ball and was in the conference. Um, but those four players were key um, to the success of the squad last year to finish you know, mid-table which is impressive for, for Dagenham I know in the past they played in League One but as you said there you know the budget's small the fan base is small the ground is small so for a team of, of Dagenham scope to be able to finish mid-table is pretty impressive and, and those four players all play a huge part now they've moved on they haven't been able to replace them as well as they would have liked and to, to kind of try and find whatever the willing formula was they kept chopping and changing and, and of course that, that doesn't lead to the consistency of, of playing on a weekly basis playing week in week out and you kind of as a team you almost struggle to gel together as well when you know, I think that's kind of the main thing is that they haven't at times they haven't looked like a team especially at the start of the season they did struggle to get going you know I mean the Bizarrely, the first win came against Northampton, who they are fine. I mean, that, if that's just bizarre, if Dagenham go down to the bottom team and Northampton win the title, uh, that's something that at least the raise a smile. But you know, it, it took them, I think, a further two months to get their second win, and then a further month after that to get wins three and four, and, and now a further 
two months to get and win number five. You know, so I think you can kind of it's, it's that consistency really that that has let them out at times this year. And you mentioned Wayne Burnett earlier. He's um, obviously left the club during this season, and they've brought back an old favourite, um, John Still, legendary Dagenham manager, who obviously left Luton earlier this season. How's it gone for John Still since he's come back to the club? Has he found it tough? Well, I think so. You know, it started well. I mean, he uh, he wasn't officially announced until after the Stevenage game. But my understanding is that he had a, a fair deal of involvement with the team before they beat Stevenage three uh, one. I think it was in the end that, um, at the end of December. First official game back was against Exeter. He won that two one. So that's two wins on the spins. So you're looking, you're going, you know, management like Clay. You know, maybe maybe Dagenham will kind of keep it up. But uh, as you said, you know, he's, I think it was a run of five straight defeats, six defeats and seven. Uh, you know, before beating York at, at the weekend, and yeah, it was it was tough um, for him. Yeah, he started he started well um, with a with a five three two formation that he seemed to favour, but that same formation also saw Daggers blow a two goal lead at Newport um, at the end of January. Yeah, you know, who's to say if they'd won that game, we'd we'd be in a different position. We could be talking about how easy management is again, rather than tough. You know, because after that they lost five games in a row, switching back to a, a back four at times. You know, but now three three games unbeaten, three clean sheets, especially in that. You know, that's particularly impressive um, for a team bottom of the football league. You know, to have two in a row is, is great, but for a team bottom of the football league to have three in a row is probably unheard of for a long time. But now, as as I kind of said before, the consistency that missing that was missing earlier in the season looks to maybe touch wood. Uh, be there now and only five wins all season that win against York was so crucial wasn't it because York are another side down there and if York had won that put more you know bigger gap between the two clubs um, whereas now you know they're only six points off safety um, but that home form I think it's the first home win since last April that's been a real um, struggle this season hasn't it to perform in front of the, the home fans no, exactly. I mean, I only started covering um, Dagenham uh, April last year, so I, oh, I dear. Yeah, you're the curse, mate. Last week. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, the first home game that I covered was the Atkinson match. So, right, you know, I thought I was doing all right, um, but yeah, so it has been a, a painfully long wait, and yeah, it's not just the league form that kind of that worries them at home. You know, it was the one-one draw against Whitehawk in the FA Cup that made sure I had to go down to the enclosed ground on the Wednesday. I'll forever thank the team for that. Um, <laughs> that you know that that kind of the struggles you, know, you kind of look at games and you're like oh you know we should win this one or oh, maybe it will end this week and it, it just kept going on and going on and speaking to the players at the weekend after after the game you know they're all kind of saying oh, it's great to kind of have that pressure lifted because it was just growing so much by the end and you know there were times you know bizarrely against some of the better teams really in the league that it should have ended a lot sooner you pushed Oxford United extremely hard and were unfortunate to lose uh, that game 1-0 you um, yeah, we lost in a lot, uh, sorry, during the last 30 seconds against Plymouth, um, you know, having dominated the game really, and even against Northampton, you know, I mean, a few Northampton fans would probably say they were lucky to come away for a win after that because, again, both teams looked evenly matched, but against teams near the bottom, against, you know, over the week before York, it was a poor, poor performance. You know, against Barney, it was a poor performance. Against Hartlepool in, in October, it was a poor performance. And, yeah, that's the, that's the bizarre thing that I don't seem to get about Dagenham this year is that they seem to raise their game when they play the teams higher up. Well, they can't bring that same consistency to the, to the game teams at the bottom. That might not be such a bad thing because if you look at the remaining fixtures, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, Dagenham fans cover your ears right now. But I think the current top eight of League Two, there's only the leaders, Northampton, that they've played twice. So they've still got seven of the top eight to come in the last 11 games. Very tough. Indeed, but yeah, as, as we both kind of said there, perhaps jokingly and, and slightly hoping, hoping to be optimistic, um, yeah, about the kind of form against them. But, yeah, it's, 
those teams, there's going to be pressure on, on both teams for both reasons. You know, I mean, maybe it would be nicer and easier to play against a team in mid-table who might have their flip-flops on at this stage in the season, thinking about the beach and holiday. But yeah, at the same time, both teams are. are and gunning for it you know I was speaking to John Steele after the game against Carlisle on uh, on Tuesday he said that he, he loves tough situations and he's loving coming into work at the minute I think yeah, if he can continue to translate that to players and get the players to have that same belief I don't think they're going to fear you know this look when I, when I kind of took over the club I was told about this, this uh, belief that still we're given the club about you know we're Dagenham we're just a pub team from Essex but they kind of used it to their advantage used it to to kind of intimidate other teams and well, yeah it didn't look like it was there earlier this season and, and you know for whatever reason but now there seems to be a few players buying into it again and they kind of you know come and have a go if you think you're hard enough kind of mentality looks to, to be back in the squad now and since Dagenham have been in the Football League, they've obviously you know gone up and played at League One level. They've come back down to League Two, uh, like a lot of clubs actually have punched above their weight. I suppose they've then gone back to League Two and sort of struggled generally since they've come back down to League Two. How big a blow would it be uh, to be relegated back to non-league? And do you think now, with the sort of size of some of the clubs in that division, it would be even tougher to actually get back? Oh, no, of course. I mean, it's always um, you know. Relegation is always a huge blow, and like you said, there you know there's massive clubs. I mean, you've only got to look at Torquay struggling in the bottom, and and Stockport as well, who not even in the conference nowadays. Yeah. You know, they, these teams have played at a lot higher level than Dagenham, and have a yeah, you know, the greatest respects. I think I'm only a couple of months older myself than Dagenham and Redbridge, you know, <laughs> like the likes of Torquay and 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 those kind of clubs. You know, they're they've got so much more history and yet they find themselves lower down so I mean it, it, but it would be a blow to the club in terms of marketing themselves bringing the fans in you know I mean you would see a drop in, in attendances um, but at the same time there's a little there's a little bit of me that thinks yeah, as much as you want to stay in the football league as much as you want to cover it it does give yeah, it does offer a club the opportunity to, to kind of reset and, mm. and start again and, and kind of you know, a few of the fans on the forums have been saying this year that the squad is made up of, of journeymen midfielders and they're not too happy about that. You know, there's, that there isn't that kind of same, you know, to touch on that, that kind of same spirit that there has been in previous years and there hasn't been that same rapport between the fans and the players as there has been in previous years. Whereas if you go down to the conference, you can kind of just go, right, OK, let's start again. Let's start from scratch. Let's build a club. Let's find an identity again and let's start again and we can go back up and be a success and actually stay in the Football League next time. And finally, Ned, this game on Saturday, I don't know if you're, I presume you're making the long journey up to Hartlepool, are you? Indeed, yeah, indeed. Self, indeed. no, mate, if I were you. Um, <laughs> Saturday afternoon, Hartlepool 22nd, just above the relegation zone, Dagenham bottom, six points behind, win, and it's it's cut down to three points. The goal difference will be very similar. So this is a huge opportunity. Exactly, and it's, it's more about, I think, piling pressure on Hartlepool than anything else, you know, I mean, yeah, Daggers have got two games this week coming up against Hartlepool and Oxford. They just have to make sure they win the white, win the right one. I think that's not easy to say. <laughs> um, you know, they can, they have to win against Hartlepool. You know, because it's not just the fact that it becomes, you know, so if they lose, it becomes a six point, uh, a, a nine point swing. Then, but it's more the fact that Hartlepool have got three games in hand. You know, it's, even if they draw, that doesn't put enough pressure on Hartlepool to go out there and win those three games in hand. They have to absolutely win this weekend, and then if they can draw on Tuesday night against Oxford, or get at least anything really, you know, a draw would be probably a minor miracle looking at Oxford recent form at home. But you know, anything from that game, but just as long as they win at the weekend, that's that's it. That's otherwise, yeah, you kind of you might find it hard to, to say Dagenham can survive. Unfortunately. Well, uh, enjoy the long journey. 
and uh, the rest of the season. Thanks for coming on speaking to us. We appreciate it. All right. That is uh, Ned Keating, Dagenham reporter for the London Archant. More in just a second. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Okay then, right, we should do um, a sort of little mini look back at what's been going on in the Football League. Then you mentioned to me a while back about who I think is going to go up with Burnley. Mm. Um, Burnley are top of the pile at the minute. Uh, Middlesbrough have had a little wobble, haven't they? They lost at Rotherham in, in midweek. Yeah, Warwick's have. working yeah. his magic. I take it all back, <laughs> Neil. I take it all back, Neil. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry, yeah. He shouldn't retire. He's superb. They're flying. A little bit of a wobble for Middlesbrough, though. Not the right point in the season. They've still got a game in hand. And Hull have slipped a little bit further back mm. and they got absolutely tonked by Arsenal in the FA Cup as well. Yeah. You said they should go for it and, well, they got battered. They did get bad. I w- wish they had gone for it. I'd rather <laughs> be playing Hull at the weekend than oh, Arsenal. Oh, yeah, it's Watford, That's isn't sure. it? Yeah, well, yeah. Arsenal, Watford. Um, who's your money on there, mate, if you think Burnley going to go up? Well, I mean, as, as I alluded to in the interview, I don't think we, we shouldn't count our chickens just yet it's still very tight I mean Hull have got two games in hand Middlesbrough have got a game in hand as well Brighton refused to go away they're right in the picture as well um, but I, I do believe that Sean Dyche I trust Sean Dyche the most out of those those four managers to get his team over the line I can see some of the same old problems maybe happening for happening for Middlesbrough as, ha- as happened last season uh, I would say that it's going to be Burnley and Hull who are going to go up Hmm. I think I'm inclined to agree. We shall see. Um, some other news from the championship is that the final uh, dots, uh, sort of dots have been dotted and well, what's it? Eyes have been dotted and the whatever. Bolton yeah. have got a new. You dot owner. your eyes, you cross your t's. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, don't They've dot got- your t's. <laughs> We've got a new owner. It's gone yeah. through. So Dean Holder's going to be the chief exec. Sports Shield Consortium have finally yeah. bought out Bolton. They came yeah, back to get news. a point against Ipswich on Tuesday, but it's not really enough a draw at this stage of the season. The 10 points off safety with yeah. 10 games to go. Charlton looked doomed as well. Rotherham back in the mix after three yeah. straight wins. Just a point behind MK Dons. Fulham and uh, Bristol City Fulham. looking over their shoulders as well. Yeah, I know. Two I've, points I've, clear. I really thought that old Slav would get them up the table and get them motoring. I mean, they've got the second highest scorer in the in the division, and they might go down, which is tells you something about their defence, really. I suppose, doesn't it? They, they've been, uh, you know, really disappointing this season. That 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 bad start they've never really recovered from, and. Um, you know, it would be a shame if Savisa uh, followed up a promotion-winning campaign with uh, taking a team out the uh, the division the other way. Yeah, you don't want that on your CV, do you? Um, just looking at the League One situation at the minute, Barnsley, we talked about them a few weeks ago when we did the thing on the JPT final. That must be coming up soon. Um, they're uh, flying. They're into the top six now. So you've got Burton and Wigan, Clear, Gills, Walsall, Millwall, Barnsley, Coventry having a little bit of a wobble. What's going on at Walsall? What do you mean, what's going on? Oh, yeah, they've Driscoll, got Driscoll, already. They? Yeah, yeah. Um, what's it, six games about a win? He's only been there about five minutes. Yeah. Um, I'll, he's he, had an absolute nightmare, hasn't he, the last few years? He was at, well, we, we talked about this not, yeah. not so long ago, that he was at Liverpool at the start of the season. I know. Um, and then he's been sacked by Walsall. He, he's certainly going around the clubs at the minute. So, yeah, yeah they, they, are they appointed a successor yet? I should really know that. It's John Whitney on a, on a game-by-game basis, uh, I believe. So, is he coaching staff, is he? Yeah. Okay. So the fourth in the table, five points behind Wigan. They have got a game in hand, though, which could be important. Um, it's the hot pot derby again on Saturday, mate. Dale against Berry. Okay. Uh, the battle of thirteenth against. Uh, sorry, the battle of fourteenth against fifteenth. Hotly mm. anticipated. A thriller. Yeah. Uh, down at the bottom, Colchester. They look doing their ten points from safety. Crew seven points from safety with eleven games to go. Oldham got a couple of games in hand. They can never get their games on Oldham. Not sure what's wrong with a pitch at um, Boundary Park or the SportsDirect.com Park, as it's called at the minute. DC, don't know if you're aware of that. No, I am. Um, and Blackpool just in the relegation zone with Donny 
having a bit of a wobble under Darren Ferguson and Fleetwood just outside the relegation places. It's a bit of a, uh, a rapid fly through the divisions this week. Down to League Two, Northampton are 19 points clear of fourth. Mm. Which is, I think, I think they might go. I, up. Which I think is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, are they still on that mad winning run? No, they're not. They've what they drew they a game drew against, against Hartlepool. Hartlepool. Was, was it Hart? I thought it was Hart. Was it? Oh, they drew two. Yeah, they drew against Hartlepool and Wimbledon. Yeah. Hartlepool was the first one. Yeah. Yeah. So they're still on a, a very long unbeaten run. Uh, Oxford in second, Plymouth in second, Pompey, Bristol Rovers, Aki and Wimbledon. As I mentioned, you just said Oxford and Plymouth were in, both in second. <laughs> Oxford in second, Plymouth in third. Pompey, Bristol Rovers, Accrington and Wimbledon. We obviously What's talked. What's the gap to... between Plymouth and and the next team down? Uh, it's six points. Okay. Plymouth and Pompey, so still play. Uh, still chance. Yeah, um, I did, we did talk about the top of the uh, of League Two when I spoke to Ned earlier about Dagenham. Um, Kevin Nolan's Orient, nicely poised, just outside the top seven. Uh, then you got Wickham, Mansfield have slipped down a bit. They're down in tenth, and uh, obviously talked about the relegation battle. Dagenham bottom, York second bottom, Hartlepool, Stevenage, and Yeovil. Yeovil have uh, pulled clear, and we thought they might be on for the triple drop, but they're uh, they're looking good now. They're nine points clear of safety with 11 games to go right that is it for this week's we are going up I know you need to get away and have a rest mate and have a glass oh, of no, water I'm alright okay. I'm okay <laughs> good um, if you do want to get in touch with us you can go to the website wearegoingup.co.uk you can find us on Instagram uh, you can find us on Twitter at Wagyu Podcast and if you go to audible.co.uk slash going up you can download a free audiobook of your choice on us the thing I, the thing I never did at the start of the show really, which I should have done I didn't ask uh, you how you are uh, this is the only time I ever get a speech of these days. Yeah, like, is, once every it? two weeks in a studio, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any news from the last week. Um, but usually when I have a quiet weekend, there isn't usually any news. And been I'd, to many games? Um, I haven't been to any games, no. I've not been None to, at all? Sorry? None at all? not been to any, no. What are you doing up there? <laughs> what do you mean, what am I doing? I'm working, like you, on a Saturday. Um, but yeah, I am going to the game on Saturday at Spotland. So next show, I'll be able to tell you a little bit about that. But you can hardly wait, eh, everyone? Yeah. On tenter hooks. Um, right. We're one game from Wembley. Oh yeah, you are. Sorry, I should ask you about you. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The, I should say in that email that I read out at the top of the show, Patrick did say um, he looks out for Berry and Watford's results, which is always nice to know. Uh, right, there's, that is it. I will let you go, uh, DC. And I'll let you, listeners, the listener, go as well. That is it for We Are Going Up, episode 170, in the can, done. Uh, we'll speak to you next time. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.